Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. We're now about three years into the COVID pandemic, and although this winter hasn't brought the kind of surge in infections we saw over the last two years, scientists say it's not over yet. We've invited industrial hygienist Monona Russell back to our show to take a look at what's new and how we can all stay safe. She is the president and founder of Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety, the health and safety officer for local A29 of Viazzi, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, and the author of Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All. It's published by Wiley. And along the way, we'll be taking your questions from Monona, uh, if you call us at 212-209-2877. Monona, welcome back to our show. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to do it. Although there's been an increase in infections, hospitalizations, and deaths this winter, it's nothing like what we saw in the previous years. Is it likely that at this time, almost everyone in the country has either been vaccinated or infected? Well, yeah, it's it's getting pretty close, actually. <laughs> uh, but there's a couple of things I think uh, I'm looking at all of the data. Uh, there's a number of statistical organizations that are collecting the data on the number of variants and what is happening and the death rates. The death rates are pretty clear. That's not really up for debate. Um, and that's what, what they're looking at primarily now to determine how bad things are. And we are not seeing, as you pointed out, the typical wave or peak that we were seeing with other uh, variants. But what I am seeing is pretty interesting. What we've got is this new uh, XBB1.5 uh, pushing the other two viruses, the QBs, uh, out of circulation and taking over. Hmm. Now, when the QBs were, were dominant, we had an average death rate per day of between four and 500. And as the, the um, XBB moves across the country, it is rising. And we are seeing now the numbers in between usually 500 and 600. So they're, they're, what it is, is it's resetting that baseline. And something I have never seen in any epidemiological study is that we also need to realize that we have killed off over a million high-risk and elderly people. Hmm. So you you have less of a population to create that wave. And also those of us that are left, because I count myself among the the old foofs and and high-risk, we're getting smarter. We're not going out. (laughs) And when we do, we're wearing an N95. So it is. I think that is what is primarily keeping the wave down because the infection rates are probably still very high, although people are not reporting. Um, but um, the, there is no wave with these. It's just a resetting of the baseline of where the death rate curve is, is hanging out. Well, XBB 1.5 has been spreading rapidly in the Northeast United States, accounting for something like 75% of new cases in our region. Is it a variant of Omicron, like BA.4 and BA.5, which had previously been 
the most common strains in the United States? Yeah, they're all variants. and, um, and Coming and from tr- Singapore? And try almost 90% now of XBB 1.5. So um, it's much higher. In the Northwest, the, the QBs still predominate. Um, so it's 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 an interesting move as it shifts across the country. Uh, there's a number of agencies that are looking at that. And I don't know why somebody's not making book on this because I, you know, mm. for betting people in the epidemiological and the medical game, I, I imagine it would be kind of fun. Well, making book would change over time. When COVID first started, we had hoped for something called herd immunity to take effect when 70 to 80 percent of the population had either been infected or vaccinated. Is that no longer a possibility because the virus keeps on mutating? Yeah, it's really not possible. True herd immunity requires immunity. And this, the the vaccine doesn't really confer immunity. It it confers uh, uh, an ability to tolerate getting the virus and probably surviving much better, but it doesn't really stop the infections. So the the, the vaccinated population, the uh, people who have had it, uh, it doesn't confer immunity uh, for more than a month or two, maybe not even that long. So you, 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 your, your immunity is always sliding off the scale again. You get a booster and then six, seven months later, you don't really have much protection. Well, how much do we really know? Uh, Many people are using at-home tests, so um, their results aren't being reported unless they go to the hospital or die. That's right, and that's why the the, the data to rely on, really, are the hospitalizations and the deaths. Those, you know, you really can't fake. They're either in the hospital or they're out of the hospital. And can we extrapolate from that? Yeah, we can do a lot. And and they're also doing things like measuring the amount of virus in uh, um, waste streams, in sewage. And that's really an actually very clear way of knowing when an outbreak is about to occur. You can really see it there before you see the hospitalizations. And you can also uh, speciate that. You can actually uh, determine which variants are in the poop. <laughs> Last fall, public health officials were predicting a triple-demic this winter, a mix of COVID flu and RSV. Were there actually surges in flu and RSV? Yeah, but they were sort of like this, the surges that we've always seen. They're not, they weren't that dramatic. Um, so they petered out? Well, no, no, and they're going to keep... They're going to keep doing their thing all all year long. They they always have. They always will. They just keep coming. Um, I, I watch the um, data through a friend at um, UMass General, and that's a typical hospital in in our area in 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 the uh, eastern seaboard area. So, what we see is somewhere between say thirty and forty five hospitalizations for COVID every day. And there will usually be two to three RSVs, two to three flus. Uh, sometimes it drops down to one with a flu, and then it pops up again. But it's in that range. So the, it's been fairly consistent over the last few months. And uh, it's, it's going to continue 
to be like that. What about the variants BQ.1 and BQ.1.1, which had replaced BA.4 and BA.5? Are they still dominant in some places? And how important is it to know which strains are dominant in a particular region? Well, it really is really only a research question now. Um, we, we need to keep track of them. Uh, as I pointed out, the, the 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 central region of the United States, and especially up there in the Seattle area, you're you're seeing very high amounts of the QBs, um, uh, and and it looks like that's the one in China. Although in China, you, hmm. you have to be a little careful of what is being said because right now there's a a, a kind of confusion coming out of the data. Now, I don't mean to say all of the stuff that's coming out of China is confusing because I have seen some brilliant studies and some there are some scientists that are publishing in China that are doing just absolutely beautiful work. Um, so it isn't everybody. But right now, politically, which virus is, is leading the, um, the group is, is still not that clear, but it looks like it, it's the, the QB1 and the QB1.1. Well, do all of the Omicron variants have similar symptoms? Yeah, amazingly similar uh, when you think about it. I mean, and there is a difference in severity or response to treatment. Well, we think that it's that these are a little less virulent than some of the first ones but you know that that's going to be i want to see that answered in the total picture in maybe in a year or so when we put it all together because as i say you know we're we're more and more of us are vaccinated have had it before uh we've killed off the the most vulnerable people <laughs> uh it, so there's other things we have to 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 look at in order to know just how deadly these these really are. Uh, if you have an isolated population that is just exposed to one variant, you might be able to do some pretty good calculations with an epidemiological study. But right now, things are waving through and new ones are com- coming up. Uh, it, it's really a, a very confused picture. So I'm not sure about that at all. And a reminder to our listeners, if you'd like to join this conversation, you have questions for Monona Russell. Uh, our number here is 212-209-2877. Um, so if most people are taking home tests and discarding those tests afterward, how do we even know which version they have? We don't. We absolutely don't. That's why we need to look at poop and we need to look at the hospital percentages and we need to make some pretty educated guesses to know. Were you surprised when when, uh, they discovered that there was polio in the water as well? Yeah, that was, was, of course, a a shocker. I thought it was gone. I thought thought polio had been totally eliminated. No, we, we, we made the same kind of choice with that that we made with TB. We had an opportunity to take it out completely. And we, we, the world, for some reason, chose not to do that. So we still see polio outbreaks in some third world countries to this day. Uh, and the same with TB. We could have finished that one off, too. 
Only a small percentage of those eligible for the updated vaccine have actually gotten it. Do most people feel that the original vaccine will protect them well enough and they don't need to have another shot? I think the operative word there is, do they think? And I'm not so sure anymore if people are really thinking. I have one very good friend who really thinks, and she's not getting the booster because she's watching the numbers and she's going to save that booster to get it just prior to when she predicts, and she is a scientist, there's going to be a heavy-duty wave or infection rate. Um, because she knows that once it's, it's kicked in, she's only got a couple of months of real strong protection. And so that she wants to time it. So there's a lot of reasons why people may not be getting it. And some people are just tired of it. Some people are talked out of the idea that it even works. Um, but uh, it, uh, I'm more concerned about getting a, a, a second booster for people in my category of decrepitude. Um, <laughs> there's a, um, we, we got ours in September, so we're four months out. I can tell you that I don't have a lot of protection. Six months out, I will have even less protection. So if they're talking about a shot a year yeah, uh, that's for this virus, they better come up with something a hell of a lot better than they got going for them now. Well, that shot a year. Yeah, the Food and Drug Administration announced on Monday that Americans may be offered a single dose of a COVID vaccine each fall, similar to what we see with flu shots. But uh, do you think there'll be a new vaccine every year targeting whatever the the latest variant is, has been done with the flu shots? Yeah, and they're talking about all kinds of interesting things like combining aspects of the various different um, um, vaccines, you know, the Moderna and the Pfizer and whatever. Um, They're they're working on trying to come up with the strongest vaccine that they can possibly manage to make but whatever they do from what i'm reading and i could be wrong but i don't think so um my guess is that a year is not going to do it because i i think it would be probably better to try to do it you know every six months or something like that for people because it is right now we don't have anything that confers immune well we have nothing that confers immunity but we have things that mean you will probably survive getting the disease uh, if you get vaccinated. My guest on today's Leonard Lopez at Large is one of our regulars, Monona Russell, president and founder of Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety, author of Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash, Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All. Uh, and uh, we take calls while she's when she's here at 212-209-2877. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. Uh, only uh, only a f- uh, few, a small percentage of those eligible for the updated vaccine have actually gotten it. Well, why do you think that is? Do you think that uh, the people are being protected? Well, I think it's 33% they guess. Well, they have a better guess at uh, who has, is boosted 
because they those little cards they fill out, all that data does get collected. And they know how many vaccinations and how many boosters they created and how many are used. So that's probably a pretty firm number that about 33% are, are boosted. Uh, but that's not very many when you stop and think about it. Uh, so we certainly could do a lot better on that. Should we take a call? Why not? Okay, WBAI, you're on the air. Good afternoon. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you. Great, Leonard. Um, Yeah, um, my boss, the former Governor Cuomo, forbid us from traveling to certain states during COVID, um, and we were forced to get a vaccine. This was despite the fact that my wife and I had COVID, we had a bad flu for two weeks, and we're in our late 50s. End of story. Done. So basically, you paid $68 an hour to keep people at home for 15 months. We drove to Florida. We paid cash for everything. And it was full of New Yorkers and Californians. And now there's not the slightest apology from anybody about the way they shut down society for the healthy and did nothing to protect the vulnerable. We built a... um, giant temporary hospital where the Westchester County Center is at the cost of like $20 million, they didn't put a single patient in it. Instead, they went around closing down restaurants and bars, and I personally know three people under the age of 30 who had pre-existing mental conditions who killed themselves. One was a disabled veteran. Hmm. Another had depression. And none of this is being addressed. It's just The pandemic is accepted as a real pandemic when it was a pandemic that affected people only with underlying conditions. It's just the definition has been changed. If weak people get killed, it's a pandemic. And if strong people are okay, it's still a pandemic. There's definitional issues going on, and a good percentage of the population has totally had it, completely, completely. Most of the people I know got fake vaccines to keep their jobs how is the medical profession going to rehabilitate itself? Because honestly, most people think they've completely lost all their credibility. So I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Okay, Monona, you want to respond? Thank you for your yeah. call. Yeah, I, I just published an article in the uh, the Journal of Occupational and Environmental um, Health Policy talking about the zero COVID um, program that we had in the film industry versus the uh, economy first kind of program that is in on Broadway where people um, can get the disease and they'll be uh, replaced by understudies, swings and on-call performers. Um, In the film industry, we can't have anybody get sick because if the star gets sick, the production's Hmm. down. That's, you know, so we had a zero COVID. And we hope that the star doesn't shoot any camera people. Oh, yes. (laughs) There's that. So what he's talking about is the anger that people feel when they are told you got to stay home and you got to not go out and gather and you got to do that. But I'm going to tell you that really works. And you can call it a non-pandemic because it's not killing you. (laughs) But that is still a pandemic. I mean, I think that those million lives worth a lot more effort than was put into it. And then when you look at China, that really did have, except for the waves when it first started, they basically had zero deaths. Now, it was a tough regime, but it works. Zero COVID really does work. When you you stop that 
communication between people and keep them separated, this pandemic just dies out. It's gone. You don't have deaths at all. So it's the country has to decide how many is it okay to kill. We're now up to between five and six hundred people a day. If that's okay with you, then keep not wearing your mask, keep passing the bug around, and keep living like you're living. But well, I it can, depends on what their politics are, whether I'm, yeah. it's okay with me. And yeah, I'm sorry, that was a cut. bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut. You can cut the deaths down if <laughs> if you if you restrict uh, the the. Um, mobility of people and i know people aren't willing to do it and our numbers by the way are very high compared to other countries other countries are doing a lot better job of this should we take another call mm-hmm. bai you're on the air hello yes yes uh, hi okay I'm, I'm an eight-year-old person you know so i don't take the virus shots but i just go i get medical attention if i ever get a virus so for example I had virus and I got medication like about last year, and this year I got something that says positive. And I told my doctor he gave me this thing called plaque flubbed, and it went away like in a week. What's it? Why? Why? Why do I have to take a virus shot when I, I can take? I can call my doctor and get medication. Okay, that I've got a good answer for, because there's a new study out now, and it's talking about reinfection. And why you really do not want to get this more than once. <laughs> because there are people who've been infected twice, three times, and three even times more. Three times and more. Absolutely. Uh, but, but aren't the second and third infections milder, at least? Uh, or may asymptomatic? No, they've got it. They finally got a study. Now, unfortunately, the study is all, almost all white men because it was done at the VA where they could put together a really good cohort of uh, people who've had the disease, people who've had it two or more times, and people who have never had it. And they could really follow these people on outcome. And let me read the last line of the study. It says, evidence shows that reinfection further increases risks of death, hospitalization, and sequelae in multiple organ systems in the acute post-acute phase. Reducing overall burden of death and disease due to SARS-2 will require strategies for reinfection prevention. And the types of things that they're having are uh, diabetes, kidney f- disease, organ failure, and mental health problems. Mental Heart health disease. problems are tied to having the disease. So you, you really do not want to be getting this disease and thinking you're getting home free. And I'm going to tell you a personal thing because I just had a CT scan uh, pre-op for something that I'm getting done. And it it turns out that I now have a small but significant amount of small airway disease that I didn't know I have and didn't have before COVID. So COVID does not just go away. You don't get home free. It takes something out of you. And the less often you have it, the better for you. Thank you for your call. Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Am Hello? With, am I with you? Hello? Yes, it's you. Okay. Um, hi, uh, Leonard and Manona. My name's Paul, and I just wanted to, I, I don't know how to put it, but it's like 
very unsettling to always hear negative reviews about the whole vaccination uh, program and also, uh, you know, dire warnings, we'll call it, from some sometimes on the left, a lot of times on the right type people. Um, and I was wondering what you think about trying to debunk each and every one. And also, uh, I have a, uh, a question. <laughs> the program that we just got off of listening to, uh, the host mentioned that there was a study that he broke the news on, in quotes. And then he said that uh, Tucker Carlson trumpeted the same results that Pfizer uh, has a scientist, I guess. But anyway, some kind of spokesperson who's kind of crowing about the fact that they've been able to refine the virus to make it like more unique or something like that mm-hmm. so that it infects more people or they, <laughs> they, have, they have better outcomes with sowing. There's a conspiracy out there. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like a conspiracy theory, and I'm sorry to report that it's another DAI host uh, that's uh, like kind of perpetrating it. <laughs> but well, uh, it, you know, so that's a case in point in any event. <laughs> so I just anyway, Manoni, you want to respond and, and not get us into a war with <laughs> some of my colleagues here at BAI? Well, I certainly am not bad-mouthing the vaccines. I would take as many boosters as you would let me take because there is very little evidence that they can cause problems. They have The number of incidents are so incredibly small, and with the disease, the incidents are vastly higher. So I'm all for the vaccinations and the boosters. They really do help, and I think that uh, if if they do decide to, to set them up for once a year, that they would they would consider for real high risk people making it maybe twice a year. Thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Bai, you're on the air. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm Maria from New Jersey. I just saw so, um, a news flash yesterday about the advisory, FDA advisory group rejecting COVID boosters for most and uh, limits to high risk groups only in 55 and over. So it seems like they're admitting now that they made a big mistake. Well, yeah, those decisions aren't made. There's a lot of discussion. What you saw was, again, discussion and, and opinion from from scientific people. It's being listened to, but nothing has been absolutely decided yet at this point. There's going to be more data, more discussion. Well, this is FDA advisory group rejects COVID booster for most. It doesn't say if they're thinking about it. They actually did it. They're rejecting it. Well, no, (laughs) it isn't policy as far as I know. Well, um, I would like you to read this article. It's uh, very enlightening. They pretty much are saying the benefits, you know, are not uh, justifiable of, of the damage that it's causing. But thank you for taking my call. Hey, where is the article? Yeah, where is it? Where is it? I'll, I'll, I'll read anything. Yeah, news. The PICA thing. News. Watch now. It's from Reuters. I understand. Huh? 
It's from Reuters? No, I, I'm reading it right now. The one I have is from, I think it's, who, which channel is the Peacock? I don't watch TV, so. Uh-huh. Uh, it okay. Says, here's what the title is, and you can, you can actually search on this. SCA advisory group rejects COVID boosters from most, comma, limits to high-risk groups. If you search that, you'll find it. Okay. Yeah, we so, have so to. We're still, so, Manona, we're still getting conflicting advice. And this is years into this situation. Yeah, you know what? What, what is bothering me is that the, the title of the article is not important. What is important is where is it published and who are they referencing? If it's Reuters, there's going to be a link to a scientific paper or to an expert somewhere. That's what you need to be report, what you need to be looking at, because that decision, I can tell you, has not been made. If you walk in and you say, I have not had my vaccination yet, you will be able to get a vaccination. No one has said you can't. <laughs> so I know that that's not the case. Um, so I know there's a lot of discussion and some high level discussions and people are making all kinds of firm recommendations but that's all going to get melted together and swirled in a in a flask and and poured out and redone, because there's a lot lot yet that has to be decided. I have to take a, a little break here. The FCC wants us to do station breaks on the half hour, and then we'll be back with more Minona Russell and your calls. Again, the number two one two two zero nine two eight. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. I got it from Agnes, she got it from Jim. We all agree it must have been Louise who gave it to him. Now she got it from Harry, who got it from Marie. And everybody knows that Marie got it from me. And we are back with Minona Russell, president and founder of Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety, uh, the health and safety officer for Local 829 of IATSE, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, and the author of Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All, which is published by Wiley. And we are taking your calls at 212 209 2877. Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Uh, yes, yes, thank you very much for your program. You're quite welcome. I, I, I think you do a thorough job, uh, you know, on, on, on writers and book, book reviews and so forth. And um, I, I, I have a sense I hear a butt coming up here. Excuse me? I, but is there a butt? coming up in this oh uh well you know my my concern you know really is the the great divide now it just seems to be getting uh, greater uh between the so-called conservative and the so-called liberal um you know um a lot uh, alliances the mainstream media and especially on the vaccine issues and i really you know it it, it would be great if if we could have, you know, let's say the most credentialed people on on both sides, to to have, you know, regular and open debates, 
and talks on because it just seems like the divides get get bigger. The the issue that the caller referred to earlier, the Pfizer executive who was caught in a, a project Veritas, um, a sort of an ambush where he he claimed that the Pfizer was um, involved in, in you know evolving. Uh, viruses uh, for for better sales, and mm-hmm. you know the, the left traditionally was very critical of of big pharma. You know it, it's a very corrupt. The, these are very corrupt outfits. I'm in uh, right near um, you know where where uh, Purdue Pharma was, and you know completely corrupt. The only regard they have is for profit. So I don't know where we got to the point where we would actually defend Pfizer and Moderna. And J and J, and where you know uh, Democratic senators and congressmen are are completely divided on these issues, and um, and Republicans as well. You know, even the New England Journal of Medicine has has uh, you know has run peer-reviewed studies uh, recently, very critical of of the vaccines. You know, the, the the vaccine adverse event reporting system. Has has hundreds of thousands of reports of injuries. So, I don't understand why you're, um, why you know, Winona is not uh, really uh, concerned of safety issues because, you know, they didn't do the usual eight years of studies which they usually do for new uh, drugs and vaccines. And well, first of all, her name is Monona. M O N. Uh, not Winona, she's not a country singer. But, okay. um, Monona, you want to respond? If we had waited all those years, if wouldn't we a lot of people have... <laughs> we, we'd have had, a, we'd had a, such a high death toll, it wouldn't have even been funny. We already so, have long COVID to deal with, and that would be you know, longer COVID. I, I certainly agree with your, your, your caller in that the, the, the pharmacy companies have a long way to go to get my confidence in terms of their business model and and i think they are corrupted and they certainly are charging too much for my medication that's for sure but the damn vaccines pretty much work and uh you know i do keep up probably very well since i'm 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 one of the experts that works on the covid programs for the film industry so, you know, I, I do keep up and I, I make sure I read everything. And there's stuff on both sides. And I, I'm i pretty good at evaluating where it comes from and, and so on. So, yeah, the vaccines pretty much work. And um, just because the people that produce them have some real corruption issues, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now, you mentioned the film industry. How much of an impact has COVID had on film and on theater as well? Well, that's the that that's what I wrote the paper about because it's just quite amazing. We we have in in June of 2020 our Safeway Forward plan came out and then it was negotiated into the contracts of the film unions and it was a zero COVID policy and everybody you know, there was PCR labs all over the place. And remember, that was when there were no vaccines. And we managed to stay open through all of those waves. And we did not have COVID on those sets. 
you oh, had good. to get tested before you got there. You had to be tested after you got there. You had to, your life was not your own. <laughs> and it worked. So, you know, I have seen zero COVID and I know what it takes to do that. And for the purposes of film, it was a moneymaker because we continued to put out movies all during this time. Theater, on the other hand, had to wait until the infection rates got low enough that they could put an audience in the theater. And most of the people that you see on that stage have had COVID once, twice or more. And that, that's the problem. We have all kinds of, uh, you know, swings, performers, understudies, on-call people to, to take the place of both cast and crew um, because of the people that get sick. That's, that's what I call the economy first plan. And it works in terms of financial things. I mean, the, the, the theaters are at least open, but it's, uh, it's very hard on people, um, so I, I have seen both types of approaches, and I think I pretty much know what works, and the vaccines do work. And we, for a while, required the vaccine as well. You want to add anything, caller? I guess the caller is Okay, the caller is gone. Let's take another call. Hi, how are you? Hi, BAI, you're on the air. All right, calling from Riverdale. A couple of three things. The caller, if you call us, a call, a, a caller, if you call us back, is challenging a producer. Well, I would challenge the caller and say, go and find out. Get back to me through the air rather than just complaining or pointing a finger. Get back to me what you found out if you did some of the groundwork. When, uh, when they were talking about bodies and, and trucks outside of Elmar's Hospital in Queens, somebody went and checked it out and found out. That there was that it was an, a lie exaggeration, and then they took his video off YouTube. Uh, I talked to my neighbor across the street who was working at Bellevue Hospital, listening to the mayor and the governor who's relaying stuff and information from the CDC, the military CDC, in my opinion, and it was totally opposite, exaggeration. So. I go by, hey, if you're going to hold me to a standard in a courtroom that if I lie or at the DA's office or with the police, if I lie to you once, I'm pretty much discredited. So I hold politicians and government, radio personality, whatever, you know, uh, accountable to that. And then I'm going to be very skeptical. And, and, and in the end, you've got to go find out this stuff yourself. Yes, so absolutely. With that said, number two, uh, your guest, I would, if this was a debate, this is what, I, and I was on the debate team, I would come up with this, cut through this insanity and this duality. Why don't your guests find out and get back to us on what are the ingredients in these vaccines and then look up the counterindications of what they do to someone or what are your risks of taking those ingredients? And then the last the last one, couple of three things, the last one, which is off topic, but maybe it's for another show. Uh, one of the reasons why that cinematographer got shot was because there were rules about how many people in the Alec Baldwin movie, Rust, that how many people could be at the given time of the shoot. And so they were following that, but they messed up other ways, too. There was a, they had come from lunch. 
so anyway, there's a COVID restrictions in, in, in all this stuff. And she wasn't there in front when they, she should be. And there was other reasons they should have called her. She was somewhere else when they were going to start shooting. So my third thing is, what about liabilities? Who's at fault? What's her opinion? Maybe for another show. Uh, he's a major producer. So in her case, she does air safety. What if she complains and finds out and then somebody dies? Who's at fault for okay. this? Okay, Minona. Okay. Well, you know, I know quite a little bit about the rust situation, uh, and I won't go into all the reasons why. But that armorer was told she had to stay off the set for COVID reasons. And um, this will all come out. The, 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 the New Mexico OSHA is not going to make a fool of themselves. And they cited knowing full well that they have the testimony of the people that were there, many people that were there. The AD is going to testify against Baldwin. He, the AD has already copped a plea, has already said that he was guilty of not following the, the, the bulletin uh, one and two rules in the, in the industry for gun safety. So, I mean, this is all going to, you know, I, I don't know what his position is in the film industry, but uh, I would take issue with a lot of what he's saying. But I know that he knows something about it because he wouldn't be talking about the COVID rules, keeping the armorer off the set if he didn't know quite a little bit. But um, the, the, we won't go there any further. This is not the topic. Uh, the other topic is 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 what the vaccines are made out of. And that is really not an issue. They are using the proteins from the spikes and the other things to stimulate your immune system. This is not like a chemical mixture that they're shooting into you. These are, are proteins that are going to, that are on the virus that are being used to stimulate the immune system. I, I'm going to make it that simple rather than go into uh, a more complicated uh, explanation. But this is the ingredients of the vaccine are not to worry. At the very beginning, on the very first ones, there was a carrier used in uh, one of the vaccines, and it was PEG. That's polyethylene glycol. It's a very inert material, and you use it uh, as a laxative. It goes through you like grass through a goose. <laughs> but there are some people who are allergic to it. And that's what you had with a couple of anaphylactic shock reactions. And once they identified that ingredient and changed it, um, there, there's really no significant chemicals. There's liquids that just are going to be used to carry that protein material. So I, I wouldn't worry about that at, at all. You're listening to Leonard Lopez at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. My guest is industrial hygienist Monona Russell, a regular contributor to this show. And uh, we're taking calls. Let's go to another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello? Yes. How are you? Okay, yeah, how about you? Right. I hope you don't have COVID. No, I've, I've had it. Yeah, I had it. I, a couple of people in my family have had it, too. But uh, I can't understand what the pushback on the vaccination is. I know when I was coming up, they had polio, 
the polio virus was was rampant yeah. in, in, in the country, and you know everybody took the polio virus. We lined up at school, and we were going yeah. around with dimes, getting dimes for polio people. And yeah. it was Do the same with flu. I remember it all too. Absolutely, he's right. Yeah, and, and there was no pushback. I can't understand what the pushback is on this. You know, I know five people that have passed away from this COVID stuff. I really do. I had it. My daughter had. My my wife had it. We all had it. mild cases. But you know, if the government wasn't doing anything at all, then what? If they were just sitting back, well, hey, take my green drink or take my purple drink or take my vitamin, maybe that'll help. But they're trying to do something, so what is the pushback? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with the caller. Well, I guess there's a resistance uh, to the feeling that maybe you're being coerced to do something you don't want to do. And we've heard all sorts of other interesting uh problems presented for example uh i know somebody who wants to get pregnant and she's concerned that if she has the vaccine that it might affect the uh the fetus if she becomes pregnant well we know covid will affect the fetus so you know better to go with the vaccine i think Hmm. there's also another another problem that uh, just came up very recently that I think maybe we should we should air because you were talking about RSV and flu before. Mm-hmm. There is another bug. It's H5N1 flu. It's a Ooh. bird flu. It's all over the world right now. Birds it's, in every country. Are, it's what's are causing the the the, uh, the high cost of eggs now. And it's it? why your eggs cost so much money. They've had to. They've had to dispatch some 57 million birds <laughs> that have died from the virus or have had to be killed because they were infected. So it, it, it's a huge thing. Um, and it, it, it was not a concern. Uh, there, were, there, there were human victims in 1997 when people working with birds in China caught it. And it has a 60% mortality once it's in humans. There was another outbreak in 2013 in eastern China, and there was 36 deaths out of 131 cases at that time. And there's another novel virus, H7N9, that is also of concern. But they were not worried because it didn't appear to go directly into mammals. Well, in Spain, uh, in October of this year... uh, Mink started to die. They thought it was our COVID virus. It was not. It was H5N1. And they had to dispatch 50,000 mink. And it was able to transmit from mink to mink, from mammal to mammal. So it has mutated. And this one has a really high mortality rate. So if you don't like virus, I mean, if you don't like vaccines, we don't even have one for this bug. We only have antiviral medications for this one. And uh, a lot of experts are, are worried. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where it's going to go, but a lot of experts are worried that this virus is going to be one of the next ones that we have to worry about. Oh, boy. It's uh, dangerous enough 
the world is dangerous enough without having to worry about these things as well. And now we have, of course, we have long COVID. Uh, but I want to take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Oh, Leonard, how are you? You have okay. a great show. <laughs> Your scholarship okay. is excellent. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a plant and you paid me off to say this. <laughs> no, seriously, you do. No, you do excellent scholarship. You're well prepared for. Uh, I love listening to you. You have varieties of subjects, and but this one particular, if I could address, uh, there is freedom of speech. The first thing is your preceding show is Gary Knoll. Gary Knoll has debunked and has serious scholarship on all of what your caller. I, I'm sorry, what your guest is trying to promote. Let's just say the first thing is a lot of these pharmaceutical companies were in the Holocaust that were doing horrible, evil things. What we really have to worry about is our government isn't really interested in our health. These vaccines are $100. Let's just take some points. Why wouldn't you open the vaccine? Why is this patented? Why is there so much money involved? Why, is, why isn't health care universal if they really cared about our health? Wouldn't anybody be able? Why is cancer so expensive? There's not just Corona to be worried about. There's cancer. Your immune system is based on your health and what you are able to do in your life to actualize health. Not getting a shot. Your body is not um, your body. Your immune system doesn't need a shot. Your immune system needs to be healthy. What your guess? And I'm wait, caller, can I ask you a question? I've had the shots. Was I just wasting my time? Not only are you wasting your time. Listen, let Gary Knoll debate this woman. I guarantee you he would be happy to be on your show. He's on the preceding show. He has I scholarship. Know. Much Okay, right. Are you wasting your time? Uh, <laughs> are you wasting your time and money? Was this covered by your insurance? And, what, and how about the boosters? How about aren't vaccines supposed to be five to seven years in a trial? We're human guinea pigs. The government doesn't care about our health. Minota, we don't have a lot of time left. But no, we don't. Be, but I, I do want to make one point. It seems to me that uh, there's no need for us to all agree on the same thing. That's, that's what uh, WBAI is all about. It's about people speaking freely about uh, their ideas and not everybody's going to agree on everything. Monona, is there anything you want to say in response to this in the few minutes that we have left? No, but I, I, I worry about the attitude of just throwing everything out and not realizing. Your, your, your previous caller has more experience and a longer perspective, and he remembers how bad polio was and what happened after the vaccination came up and how, how it just made our lives so much better. Uh, we just can't be, we, we just have to be able to look at things more rationally than that. Um, and, and, and yes, maybe they were motivated by money, but you know, if it works, let's work it out. And not only that, the government paid for the damn shots. <laughs> What's he complaining about? Even if the, even if the companies made money, this is, you could get your vaccination for free. So what I, I don't understand this this whole attitude of just throwing everything out and okay and, and well just in in the, the last minute or so 
mask, people are not wearing masks as much as they did in the past. But, but what about frequent hand washing, which was a big part of the push at the beginning of the pandemic? Is it no longer seen as important because we don't hear about it anymore? Well, it isn't much important in, in COVID, but it sure is in the flu and RSV. So it's probably a good thing besides wash your hands. You grow Just up. Just wash now. your hands anyway. <laughs> yeah, you wash your hands anyway. Monona, thank you so much for being on our show. As usual, you've been great. Uh, Monona Russell is an industrial hygienist, president and founder of Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety, and the health and safety officer for Local 829 of IATSE, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. You might want to check out her book, Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All, which is published by Wiley. We'll speak to you soon. Hey, thank you. And that brings us to the end of our show. Special thanks to segment producer Barbara Kahn for preparing today's interview and to Kaziah Glow, our executive producer, and Reggie Johnson, our audio engineer, for all the important work that they do throughout the week. Uh, if you'd like to check out more of our one-hour interviews on one subject, you can access our archive of 700 shows or so at WBAI.org or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are available. If you'd like to reach me directly, my email address is leonardlopate at wbai.org. And right now I need to ask you to consider stepping up and supporting WBAI as we struggle to stay afloat during these difficult times. We are asking all of our listeners who haven't taken that step already to make a tax-deductible contribution at whatever level they're comfortable with by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling 212-209-2950 right now to keep the unique in-depth content we bring you on this show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. That's 212-209-2950 or give and then the number 2 WBAI.org. You might also consider becoming a sustaining member, what we call a BAI buddy, 10, 15, 20, 25 $30 a month or more. Uh, it allows us to plan for the future and you can discontinue at any point you wish. Either way, I hope you'll call right now because BAI relies 100% on listener donations. We don't take ads or foundation grants, which allows us to be completely free speech radio and to disagree with each other. If Leonard Lopate at Large is part of your daily routine, why not keep it going for someone who's just discovering it? You can do that by calling 212-209-2950 or by going online to give to WBAI.org. Help support independent radio and don't forget to make that tax-deductible contribution in the name of London Lopez at Large and from all of us at the station, thank you very much. And I hope you can join us again on Monday when Eric Altman will discuss his very controversial book, We're Not One, A History of America's Fight Over Israel. Have a great weekend and we'll see you then. 